Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 86. We talk about HubSpot sub workflows, HubSpot sales deal pipelines, and WhatsApp spam. So this is the podcast for marketing managers or sales professionals who are using HubSpot or are considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my lovely co-host, Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Well, lovely to be here. <laughs> Thanks for that. And yeah, look, isn't it sad? A few ruin it for the many with WhatsApp I spam. Know. So apologies to people in our WhatsApp group for a bit of spam that's been in there now. So we've actually had to revoke the invite link, which made it easy for people to join. Yes. So you've got to use the link in the show notes. So there you go. And now, Craig... What has just been released today? Uh, is it released today? Very, um, I think it's now generally available. It's the State of Inbound report. For 2017. 2017, yes. So over the next few weeks and maybe a couple of months, we'll dissect what's in this report and give us all a little bit more greater, deeper understanding of what's there and how we can use it to help our businesses and help our clients. This is always good. Every year, tons of insights. So looking forward to digging into this. And they've got localized versions as well. So yes. you can go to stateofinbound.com. So Craig, what are we going to highlight today? What is the most overrated marketing tactic, in your opinion? Um, you know, this is always a cause for <laughs> disagreement <laughs> because people will say paid advertising, but I guess they've got to qualify it. It's Correct. really the type of paid advertising. That's right. And what was interesting here, I think when I first looked at it, I went, paid advertising, what? And then I went, oh, print outdoor broadcast, right? And online paid is the third one on this list of targets. Um, Second is social media organic, which is very interesting. And this is consistent across the two regions we're looking at. And what's interesting is that, I mean, look, still works to a degree. I think we often say, look, let's master a channel or a medium before moving on. Like, so... If you mastered every other channel and you want to put your stuff on billboards, that might be a good thing to do. And this highlights a problem with these kinds of reports. What's the most overrated tactic? Often that just means what's the tactic that you've tried but failed at the most? Yeah, you know. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. We've always got to not fall into this trap of just going at the masses going, oh, it didn't work for them. Oh, it mustn't be a very good tactic. No, it just means they couldn't get it to work. You test it yourself. Test and measure, as we always say. That's right. And here's one quote that they put in this report says, in fact, one respondent wrote that they're completely abandoning broadcast to focus more on demand content. On demand content, yeah. Uh, We're abandoning the broadcast channel era to enter the individual on-demand environment where places and things that surround users will create more useful, relevant, and customized experiences. Yeah, well, look, good luck with that. Well, just <laughs> this like a buzzword frenzy. There. I'm sure that meant something meaningful to them, but, you know, I, yeah. Anyway, there we have it. So have a look. That's the first part of some of the bits of the inbound 2017 report they'll be looking at. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And now in episodes 84, 85, we talked about using workflows and sub-workflows. And today we're going to talk about a practical example of using sub-workflows. So that's basically calling one workflow from another one. Yeah, that's right. And we'll I'll refer you listeners back to episodes 84 and 85 where we kind of introduce the topic of workflows. By the way, I should mention um, 
after we'd recorded those, I actually heard uh, Moby's podcast on workflows. Oh, yeah? It's really good. I wish I'd listened to it because it'd come out before we'd recorded. I wish I'd listened to it before. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes yep. for this one because if you're ever thinking about workflows, and he actually goes through a whole bunch of typical workflows that sets up for a bunch of uh, okay. his clients. Really good. But, yeah, look, we've been talking about workflows, and last episode we talked about this concept of sub-workflows because HubSpot allows you to call other workflows from in a workflow. So go back to episode 85 for details on that. Uh, and actually the show notes will walk you through with some screenshots. But I just want to give you an example this week. Here's, here's a typical case. You might have different forms for people to sign up on. And I'll give you a practical example from one of our customers. They do have forms like a contact us form where if someone sign, fills out that form, they're a lead. They've got other pages, for example, just notify me of training updates or they run user groups. Yep. Oh, I just want to be notified of user groups. They're not actually a lead. They're more no. of a subscriber. Now, by default, HubSpot forms will mark contacts as leads. As a lead. And this, and so just to interrupt, if you add this, if you're using Sales Pro and you add this from your mail in, so add contact to CRM, the same thing happens. Right. Okay. Lead. Here's the case. What do you do for someone that just signs up? for a user group notification or training? Well, you could just set them as a subscriber. And in fact, on a form, you can actually override it at the form level. You just make the um, uh, lifecycle stage a hidden field yep. and you just set it. So you just say, I'm going to set them to subscriber. But what about the case that they come along and maybe they're going to fill out a contact us or maybe they're going to fill out user group or we're not sure, maybe they're already a contact so we don't want to set them back. Yes. So here's a perfect case for using a sub-workflow. So what we've done, I've got some screenshots here. We actually have a sub-workflow that sets them to be a subscriber. And the great thing about workflows, as you know, is that they have a goal and the goal will drop them out. Yep. So what we can say is, oh, actually, if they're already this criteria, they might be a lead or maybe market qualified leader or something like that. We'll just drop them out of this sub-workflow. So we're not going to set them to a subscriber. But if they make it past that goal and they continue through, we actually then set their lifecycle stage to be subscriber. And you can also do things around dates and timeframes that they signed up. So if they're very recent and they sign up for training notifications, okay, make them subscriber. Otherwise, you might say, oh, actually, seen them before, we'll leave them as a lead. So that's actually a very practical example of using sub-workflows. And we've got screenshots of all of these. Now, the key thing to look at is when you look at a sub-workflow, you'll see the entry criteria. There is no entry criteria. That's always a giveaway that it's a sub-workflow because you're going to call it from something else. There's no entry criteria because the parent workflow just calls it. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, and another thing I want to highlight that some people might often miss is that when the lifecycle stage is set to lead, you actually need to clear it out first before actually resetting it to subscriber, right? Correct. And if you try to do it the other way around, it's going to be, uh-uh, can't do that. So this is something that you need to do in the workflow is to actually clear that out before sending it back to subscriber. All right, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. We're going to talk about multiple deal pipelines. So this is something that got introduced, I think, earlier this year in terms of deal pipelines. So it's basically what it does is, if there's a different process for a particular type of deal, so like we would have one, you know, that HubSpot customers might pass through, maybe they're just purely a Google advertising customer 
that deal pipeline will be different because there's different things we need to do. So you can actually tailor those pipelines to actually suit the process. And that's the benefit of these. These are really good. Now, you're right. This has been out for a while. I only really just discovered this recently. I just want to tell listeners that, right? Because I, I just want to make... And know, this is the key I, thing. I don't right? want to give the impression I'm an expert. I've known all about this, but I discovered this. I was like, this is fantastic. So if it's taken me this long to discover it, then perhaps there's other listeners that aren't aware of it yet. We've actually gone back through all our deals and, re, and basically changed the pipelines related to them. Great thing about HubSpot is if they were won or lost, it actually yep. keeps those comments. Yeah, great. So even if you change the pipeline, it's still marketed as one. It keeps that comment. What I will say, though, is you may need to update some of your views, CRM views, because yes, pipelines have new stages. Point. Yes. Even if you've named the stage the same thing, actually behind the scenes it's a different stage, so you've got to update some of your views. But it's a great thing to start using, even if you just use the default that's there to start off with. And as I'm sure as you progress along, you'll go, okay, well, I need to just make this more specific to us and you can work with it. Again, like you, you know, haven't used it for a while, came back, you know, and it's something that I often demonstrate to clients, especially that have a sales team, is that, you know, what are the different pipelines you guys have? You know, for example, if you're a builder and you're doing house and land packages, your pipeline will be very different to somebody who is saying, I want to do a knockdown rebuild. So I've got to knock down this house, do the build. You know, there's a whole bunch of processes they need to go through before they start work. Whereas I'm interested in buying that house and land, just pay me the deposit and let's get the show on the road. Exactly right. I'll give you another another example or advantage of different pipelines is you can set the percentages to it and that's used to calculating Absolutely. estimated revenue, right? Yes. Now, if it's just a small project, you can happily increase the percentages, right? But if, if you know it's like a big, a big retainer, ongoing thing, then those percentages might be smaller for gen- for kind of calculating That's your right. expected revenue. So, yeah, super useful. All right. So HubSpot sales and marketing request of the week, Craig. Well, speaking of deals. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do a deal with you, HubSpot? So deals are great. And so one of our customers, they've been transitioning over to HubSpot CRM. Uh, they're yes, using from deals. A, from a rather large CRM. They, they have, <laughs> yes. Loving it. But one of the things that HubSpot doesn't do yet, and that's why this is a request, is that you can't include deal field values as personalization items in internal email Emails. notifications. Yep. So typically in workflows, we send an internal email notification, this contact, a whole bunch of details about the contact. You can actually trigger a workflow based on a deal closing. So we, and actually that we do have workflows for managing deals. However, what we wanted to do was is also actually, trigger an internal notification yeah. to someone else in the business that this deal has closed, but you can't do it. You can't have those fields in there. Or the best we could do is say, oh, this contact had a deal <laughs> associated with them that's closed. Check it out. Yeah. But so um, this actually, I contacted HubSpot support about that and they pointed me to a community, which is like the replacement for ideas.hubspot. Yeah. Someone has requested it. I've gone and upvoted it and put my comments and we've got a link here. If you think that's useful. Yes. Let, let me go, go and upvote it. Because <laughs> I didn't know that I could do that. So that's a really good point, Craig. It's something that I haven't taken as far as you have. And I can see it'll be very useful. But clearly it's not there. You know what? And I think the impact of this could be quite significant for a business because typically the people that you're notifying aren't actually HubSpot users. 
So it could be someone in accounts, could be someone that's managing resources, you know, if it's training a resource manager, could be someone that's not actually in the marketing and sales piece, but they're somewhere else in the business. This is actually a way to bring them into the HubSpot, I guess, uh, ecosystem in a way. So I think there's value for HubSpot in providing this. Uh, it just makes it a lot more um, collaborative. Correct. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. Don't be stupid. <laughs> this is great. Okay. Tell us more. All right, so this is uh, an article on Quartz, uh, QZ.com. Go and check it out. And it's the five universal laws of human stupidity. And I was telling you about this a couple of weeks ago, but what I found interesting about the way they define stupid people is that they have this, you know, quadrants, quadrants right? Yes. And you've got these axes which are either benefits to others or losses to others. And then you've got benefits to themselves or losses to themselves, right? So a person. And then in the quadrant, it's kind of like benefits to others and benefits to themselves, someone that does activities that are both beneficial to others and themselves intelligent someone that benefits others but losses to themselves they're helpless people that benefit themselves but losses to others they're referred to as bandits or you know <laughs> selfish but then you've got people that are losses to themselves and losses to others these are stupid people they provide no value to the community to society or to themselves right that's stupid people so you might think why are we bringing this up or why am i okay, bringing it up give right? us give us an example craig well, here's the thing. When you go into the analysis, and this is an excellent article, by the yeah. way, every industry and group and race and demographic has its share, often a large share, of stupid people. So we're not just talking about someone dumb, you know, missing teeth, that kind of thing. It's actually they're not providing benefit to society or to themselves. So then thinking about this, it's actually not only within those, you know, demographics. It's actually when you break them across an individual's life, in some areas, they can be intelligent. Others, they can be helpless. Others, they can be abandoned. And others, they can be stupid. So this was a reminder to me because we actually often get, you know, kind of confident in ourselves, and maybe I'm preaching to myself at this point, where we kind of think we know a particular area, but actually there's other areas related to it we can be stupid in. And this applies to marketers as well. So I find this trap all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, I know how to do Facebook ads. Yeah, sure. And I know how to do it in this industry. So I think I know how to do it in another channel and in another industry. I kind of think, oh, yeah, I know. But actually, no. It's quite possible, depending on the particular area, I'm providing no benefit to a customer or to people and, in fact, no benefit to myself. Yeah. So it's quite possible. And and think of all the areas of your life. Yeah. You could be being stupid within your own little area. Absolutely. So that's why it's an opinion of the week. But as for marketers, because marketing is such a rapidly changing thing that you could easily fall into this quadrant. There you go. Sermon over. Yeah. So I think the here is that, you know, if you're in marketing, are you actually reading, training, testing and trying things out and validating them as opposed to just talking about them or wigging it, as we would say? When you're in meetings, like I think there's no harm in actually saying, look, I don't know. I will go find out. Exactly right. Well put. All right. On to our creative top 10 of the week, Craig. All right. My challenge to you this week. I wanted 10 creative ideas for increasing engagement with existing customers. All right. This is, this is hard work, but we'll start. Number one, send them a thank you handwritten card in the mail. Number two. Invite customers to a fun event like bowling, go-karting, 
Number three, share information related to their interests. So, example, we were dealing with some sales guys, loved cars. He had an Audi, so I used to share Audi news with him because I, to, because I read a lot of car blogs. Um, number four, share industry insights. So things that are related to possibly marketing or things that are happening in the industry that they might not be aware of. Number five, send them an unexpected gift, like a hamper, maybe some nice delectable food. Um, a simple device could be something like a backup drive, could be really helpful for them. So, for example, like what's been happening with ransomware this week, a backup drive is a fantastic wow, idea. Wow, that's a great idea, yes. All right, number six, organize to take them out to lunch. I was suggesting maybe once a year to hear about what how they are doing and how they're doing as a person, but how they're doing as a business and where they're going. So I think when you share a meal with somebody, it kind of just has a different effect than just going, okay, I'm having a meeting now with you to talk about this. I think people are far more less guarded and are more have an ability to share information. That well, I really like that idea because it's not, not just about giving them something. It's actually the experience. People remember experiences. Exactly. Number seven, do a net promoter score survey on your customers every three to six months. And I put a link in there. There is actually a way to create, um, there's a project, a HubSpot project actually, on how to do that within HubSpot. I think it takes about four hours to implement, but you can actually do that within your system and keep a track. Uh, Number eight, look for businesses you know that would be ideal customers and introduce them to your customer. That's a great idea. Referrals, yeah. Yeah. So I do this, I've been doing this quite a bit with some of our customers. So thinking about who that I know, even people I know in business that could actually utilize them and benefit from what they've got to offer. Another one, either yourself or one of your team, call them every month to check progress of how things are traveling. And maybe it's good sometimes just to get them not for you to call, but to get someone else to call so that they're getting in kind of like a impartial feedback i think that's right and i think like because we have account managers so that might be something that's happening all all the time but as the business owner or maybe yeah someone else in the business great idea all right and number 10 share with them a tool that you're using that saved you time and or effort and that makes life much better nice one good one all right on to our podcast of the week craig and this is into charles mckay on the inbound agency podcast now you've listened to this we both know Charles. Hello, Charles. Hey, Charles. Thanks for listening. Um, so we'd encourage you to listen to it. Now, here's Charles, who's he's done something pretty amazing, you know? Yeah, he's, he's pretty good, right? Platinum partner, uh, delivering a lot of success for his customers. The reason I really like it. So just to be clear, this isn't uh, an interview where he's really talking about his agency. So it's a podcast meant for other agency owners. Why are we including it here? Well, besides the fact that it's Charles and he's awesome. But two, I actually think for marketing managers to hear this and to get an insight into how agency owners, like good agency owners, think and approach inbound marketing is really useful. Because what you'll hear Charles talking about is some of the problems that he comes up with and what he tries to grapple with educating his customers about. Now, if you're a marketing manager and you're aware of some of the problems that agencies have communicating with you and trying to give you better results, this will actually help you and just improve the relationship. So give it a listen. All right. On to our resource of the week. We're talking about 10 myths about machine learning. And this is becoming a very much talked about topic. It's kind of a buzzword in the sense that everyone's talking about it, but not many people know what it means. (laughs) So, or they ascribe it to mean just about anything, right? And so this is 10 myths 
about it. Well yeah. worth a read. And so this is from... Um, uh, it's on Medium, actually. It's on Medium, but, but um, so I can see it, but Occam Razor. And um, the myth is simpler models are more accurate. This idea of simplicity cuts through, you know, and provides the insight. And actually, no, that's a myth. And yes. we'll talk more about simplicity later in the episode and actually next episode as well. This idea everyone wants simplicity. And the thing with machine learning is actually often the complexity and actually getting the data and complex mm. algorithms and deep analysis is actually what provides the breakthrough. That's right. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week as we come to the tail end. And this is from Tad Hargrave. On your Tad. For the overachievers out there, your mantra is likely, what else can I do today? Consider replacing that for a week with what can I do less of today and see what happens. Now, your aim here is to actually simplify, but don't be simplistic. That's right. I find that it's a good quote. That was actually from Calm. I'm doing this. uh, I use this app called uh, Daily Calm. Oh, do you? Yeah, I've been meditating. It's really good. Yeah, right. This this is this. the week, Daily Calm. Let me just go and get that. It's actually really good. I mean, I'm only new to it, I've, but I'm on a, I think I've hit 31 days of meditating in a row now and I'm finding it, yeah, really nice. That's fantastic, Craig. You haven't blown up at me once this month. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Deep breathing for the win. Yes. All right, listeners, on that happy note, have a great week and please join us on Facebook, on WhatsApp by invitation only and be a part of the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.